Section thirty of Young Folks Treasury, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lucky Emma. Young Folks Treasury, Volume two. Edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Section thirty. Odysseus, Parts three and four. Adapted by Jeanie Lang. Part three. How Odysseus met with Circe, the Sirens, and Calypso. Across the seas sailed Odysseus and his men till they came to an island where lived Aeolus, the keeper of the winds. When Odysseus again set sail, Aeolus gave him a great leather bag in which he had placed all the winds except the wind of the west. His men thought the bag to be full of gold and silver, so, while Odysseus slept, they loosened the silver thong, and, with a mighty gust, all the winds rushed out, driving the ship far away from their homeland. Ere long, they reached another island where dwelt a great enchantress, Circe of the Golden Tresses, whose palace Eurylochus discovered. Within they heard Circe singing, so they called to her, and she came forth and bade them enter. Heedlessly, they followed her, all but Eurylochus. Then Circe smote them with her magic wand, and they were turned into swine. When Odysseus heard what had befallen his men, he was very angry, and would have slain her with his sword. But Circe cried, Sheath thy sword, I pray thee, Odysseus, and let us be at peace. Then said Odysseus, How can I be at peace with thee, Circe? How can I trust thee? Then Circe promised to do Odysseus no harm, and to let him return in safety to his home. Then she opened the doors of the sty and waved her wand, and the swine became men again, even handsomer and stronger than before. For a whole year Odysseus and his men stayed in the palace, feasting and resting. When they at last set sail again, the sorceress told Odysseus of many dangers he would meet on his homeward voyage, and warned him how to escape from them. In an island in the blue sea, through which the ship of Odysseus would sail toward home, lived some beautiful mermaids called sirens. Even more beautiful than the sirens' faces were their lovely voices by which they lured men to go on shore and there slew them. In the flowery meadows were the bones of the foolish sailors who had seen only the lovely faces and long golden hair of the sirens and had lost their hearts to them. Against these mermaids, Circe had warned Odysseus, and he repeated her warnings to his men. Following her advice, he filled the ears of the men with wax and bade them bind him hand and foot to the mast. Past the island drove the ship, and the sirens seeing it began their sweet song. Come hither, come hither, brave Odysseus, they sang. Then Odysseus tried to make his men unbind him, but Eurylochus and another bound him yet more tightly to the mast. When the island was left behind, the men took the wax from their ears and unbound their captain. After passing the wandering rocks with their terrible sights and sounds, the ship came to a place of great peril. Beyond them were yet two huge rocks between, which the sea swept. One of these ran up to the sky, and in this cliff was a dark cave in which lived Scylla, a horrible monster who, as the ship passed, seized six of the men with her six dreadful heads in the cliff opposite lived another terrible creature called charybdis who stirred the sea to a fierce whirlpool 
by a strong wind the ship was driven into the whirlpool but odysseus escaped on a broken piece of wreckage to the shores of an island on this island lived calypso of the braided tresses a goddess feared by all men but to odysseus she was very kind and he soon became as strong as ever stay with me and thou shalt never grow old and never die said calypso a great homesickness had seized odysseus but no escape came for eight years then athene begged the gods to help him they called on hermes who commanded calypso to let him go she wanted him to stay with her but promised to send him away she told him to make a raft which she would furnish with food and clothing for his need he set out and in eighteen days saw the land of the phaeacians appear but when safety seemed near poseidon the sea-god returned from his wanderings and would have destroyed him had it not been that a fair sea-nymph gave him her veil to wind around his body this he did and finally reached the shore end of part three part four how odysseus met with nausicaa in the land of the phaeacians there dwelt no more beautiful nor any sweeter maiden than the king's own daughter nausicaa was her name and she was so kind and gentle that every one loved her to the land of the phaeacians the north wind had driven odysseus and while he lay asleep in his bed of leaves under the olive trees the goddess athena went to the room in the palace where nausicaa slept and spoke to her in her dreams some day thou wilt marry nausicaa she said and it is time for thee to wash all the fair raiment that is one day to be thine to-morrow thou must ask the king thy father for mules and for a wagon and drive from the city to a place where all the rich clothing may be washed and dried when morning came nausicaa remembered her dream and went to tell her father her mother was sitting spinning yarn of sea-purple stain and her father was just going to a council meeting father dear said the princess couldst thou lend me a high wagon with strong wheels that i may take all my fair linen to the river to wash all yours too i shall take so that thou shalt go to the council in linen that is snowy clean and i know that my five brothers will also be glad if i wash their fine clothing for them this she said for she felt too shy to tell her father what athena had said about her getting married but the king knew well why she asked i do not grudge thee mules nor anything else my child he said go bid the servants prepare a wagon the servants quickly got ready the finest wagon that the king had and harnessed the best of the mules and nausicaa's mother filled a basket with all the dainties that she knew her daughter liked best so that nausicaa and her maidens might feast together the fine clothes were piled into the wagon the basket of food was placed carefully beside them and nausicaa climbed in took the whip and shining reins and touched the mules then with clatter of hoofs they started when they were come to the beautiful clear river amongst whose reeds odysseus had knelt the day before they unharnessed the mules and drove them along the banks of the river to graze where the clover grew rich and fragrant then they washed the clothes working hard and well and spread them out to dry on the clean pebbles down by the seashore then they bathed 
and when they had bathed, they took their midday meal by the bank of the rippling river. When they had finished, the sun had not yet dried the clothes, so Nausicaa and her maidens began to play ball. As they played, they sang a song that the girls of that land would always sing as they threw the ball to one another. All the maidens were fair, but Nausicaa of the white arms was the fairest of all. From hand to hand they threw the ball, growing always the merrier, until, when it was nearly time for them to gather the clothes together and go home, Nausicaa threw it very hard to one of the others. The girl missed the catch. The ball flew into the river, and as it was swept away to the sea, the princess and all her maidens screamed aloud. Their cries awoke Odysseus as he lay asleep in his bed of leaves. "'I must be near the house of men,' he said. "'Those are the cries of girls at play.' With that he crept out from the shelter of the olive-trees. He had no clothes, for he had thrown them all into the sea before he began his terrible swim for life. But he broke off some leafy branches and held them round him, and walked down to where Nausicaa and her maidens were. Like a wild man of the woods he looked, and when they saw him coming, the girl shrieked and ran away. Some of them hid behind the rocks on the shore, and some ran out to the shells of yellow sand that jutted into the sea. But although his face was marred with the sea foam that had crusted on it, and he looked a terrible fierce great creature, Nausicaa was too brave to run away. Shaking, she stood there and watched him as he came forward and stood still a little way off. Then Odysseus spoke to her, gently and kindly, that he might take away her fear. He told her of his shipwreck and begged her to show him the way to the town and give him some old garment or any old wrap in which she had brought the linen so that he might have something besides leaves with which to cover himself. I have never seen any maiden half so beautiful as thou art, he said. Have pity on me, and may the gods grant thee all thy heart's desire. Then, said Nausicaa, thou seemest no evil man, stranger, and I will gladly give thee clothing, and show thee the way to town. This is the land of Aetians, and my father is the king. To her maidens, then, she called, why do ye run away at the sight of a man? Dost thou take him for an enemy? He is only a poor shipwrecked man. Come, give him food and drink, and fetch him clothing. The maidens came back from their hiding places, and fetched some of the garments of Nausicaa's brothers, which they had brought to wash, and laid them beside Odysseus. Odysseus gratefully took the clothes away, and went off to the river. There he plunged into the clear water and washed the salt crust from off his face and limbs and body and the crusted foam from his hair. Then he put on the beautiful garments that belonged to one of the princes and walked down to the shore where Nausicaa and her maidens were waiting. So tall and handsome and strong did Odysseus look, with his hair curling like hyacinth flowers around his head, that Nausicaa said to her maidens, this man who seemed to us so dreadful so short a time ago now looks like a god i would that my husband if ever i have one should be as he then she and her maidens brought him food and wine and he ate hungrily for it was many days since he had eaten when he had finished they packed the linen into the wagon and yoked the mules and nausicaa climbed into her place so long as we are passing through the fields, she said to Odysseus, 
follow behind with my maidens and i will lead the way but when we come near the town with its high walls and towers and harbors full of ships the rough sailors will stare and say hath nausicaa gone to find herself a husband because she scorned the men of phaeacia who would wed her hath she picked up a shipwrecked stranger or is this one of the gods who has come to make her his wife therefore come not with us i pray thee for the sailors to jest at there is a fair poplar grove near the city with a meadow lying round it sit there until thou thinkest that we have had time to reach the palace then seek the palace any child can show thee the way and when thou art come to the outer court pass quickly into the room where my mother sits thou wilt find her weaving yarn of sea-purple stain by the light of the fire she will be leaning her head back against a pillar and her maidens will be standing round her my father's throne is close to hers but pass him by and cast thyself at my mother's knees if she feels kindly toward thee and is sorry for thee then my father is sure to help thee to get safely back to thine own land the nausicaa smote her mules with the whip and they trotted quickly off and soon left behind them the silver river with its whispering reeds and the beach with its yellow sand odysseus and the maidens followed the wagon and just as the sun was setting they reached the poplar grove in the meadow there odysseus stayed until nausicaa should have had time to reach the palace when she got there she stopped at the gateway and her brothers came out and lifted down the linen and unharnessed the mules nausicaa went up to her room and her old nurse kindled a fire for her and got ready her supper when odysseus thought it was time to follow he went to the city he marvelled at the great walls and at the many gallant ships in the harbours but when he reached the king's palace he wondered still more its walls were of brass so that from without when the doors stood open it looked as if the sun or moon were shining within a frieze of blue ran round the walls all the doors were made of gold the door-posts were of silver the thresholds of brass and the hook of the door was of gold in the halls were golden figures of animals and of men who held in their hands lighted torches outside the courtyard was a great garden filled with blossoming pear trees and pomegranates and apple trees with shining fruit and figs and olives all the year round there was fruit in that garden there were grapes in blossom and grapes purple and ready to eat and there were great masses of snowy pear blossoms and pink apple blossoms and golden ripe pears and rosy apples at all of those wonders odysseus stood and gazed but it was not for long for he hastened through the halls to where the queen sat in the firelight spinning her purple yarn he fell at her knees and silence came on all those in the room when they looked at him so brave and so handsome did he seem through many and great troubles have i come hither queen he said speed i pray you my parting right quickly that i may come to mine own country too long have i suffered great sorrows far away from my own friends then he sat down amongst the ashes by the fire and for a little space no one spoke at last a wise old courtier said to the king truly it is not right that this stranger should sit in the ashes by the fire bid him arise and give him meat and drink 
at this the king took odysseus by the hand and asked him to rise he made one of his sons give up his silver inlaid chair and bade his servants fetch a silver basin and a golden ewer that odysseus might wash his hands all kinds of dainties to eat and drink he also made them bring and the lords and the courtiers who were there feasted along with odysseus until it was time for them to go to their own homes before they went the king promised odysseus a safe convoy back to his own land when he was left alone with the king and queen the latter said to him tell us who thou art i myself made the clothing that thou wearest from whence didst thou get it then odysseus told her of his imprisonment in the island of calypso of his escape of the terrible storm that shattered his raft and of how at length he reached the shore and met with nausicaa it was wrong of my daughter not to bring thee to the palace where she came with her maids said the king but odysseus told him why it was that nausicaa had bade him stay behind be not vexed with this blameless maiden he said truly she is the sweetest and the fairest maiden i ever saw then odysseus went to the bed that the servants had prepared for him they had spread fair purple blankets over it and when it was ready they stood beside it with their torches blazing golden and red up now stranger get thee to sleep they said thy bed is made sleep was very sweet to odysseus that night as he lay in the soft bed with warm blankets over him he was no longer tossed and beaten by angry seas no longer wet and cold and hungry the roar of furious waves did not beat in his ears for all was still in the great halls where the flickering firelight played on the frieze of blue and turned the brass walls into gold the next day the king gave a great entertainment for odysseus there were boxing and wrestling and leaping and running and in all of these the brothers of nausicaa were better than all others who tried but when they came to throw the weight and begged odysseus to try he cast the stone heavier than all others far beyond where the phaeacians had thrown that night there was feasting in the royal halls and the king's minstrels played and sang songs of the taking of troy and the bravery of the great odysseus and odysseus listened until his heart could bear no more and tears trickled down his cheek only the king saw him weep he wondered much why odysseus wept and at last he asked him so odysseus told the king his name and the whole story of his adventures since he had sailed away from troyland then the king and queen and their courtiers gave rich gifts to odysseus a beautiful silver-studded sword was the king's gift to him nausicaa gave him nothing but she stood and gazed at him in his purple robes and felt more sure than ever that he was the handsomest and the greatest hero she had ever seen farewell stranger she said to him when the hour came for her to go to bed for she knew she would not see him in the morrow farewell stranger sometimes think of me when thou art in thine own land then said odysseus all the days of my life i shall remember thee nausicaa for thou hast given me my life next day a company of the phaeacians went down to a ship that lay by the seashore and with them went odysseus they carried the treasures that had been given to him and put them on board and spread a rug on the deck for him 
there odysseus lay down and as soon as the splash of the oars in the water and the rush and gush of the water from the bow of the boat told him that the ship was sailing speedily to his dear land of ithaca he fell into a sound sleep onward went the ship so swiftly that not even a hawk flying after its prey could have kept pace with her when the bright morning stars arose they were close to ithaca the sailors quickly ran their vessels ashore and gently carried the sleeping odysseus wrapped round in his rug of bright purple to where a great olive tree bent its grey leaves over the sand they laid him under the tree put his treasures beside him and left him still heavy with slumber then they climbed into the ship and sailed away while odysseus slept the goddess athene shed a thick mist round him when he awoke the sheltering heavens the long paths and the trees in bloom all looked strange to him when seen through the greyness of the mist woe is me he groaned the phaeacians promised to bring me to ithaca but they have brought me to a land of strangers who will surely attack me and steal my treasures but while he was wondering what he should do the goddess athena came to him she was tall and fair and noble to look upon and she smiled upon odysseus with her kind grey eyes under the olive tree she sat down beside him and told him all that had happened in ithaca while he was away and all that he must do to win back his kingdom and his queen. End of Odysseus